If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with MyBookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Good afternoon and welcome everybody. This would be the Jeff Cameron Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and Warchant TV. Great to be with you on a Balls Wednesday. I'm Jeff, that's Tom, Director Matthew in the house as well on Twitter. It's at Jay Cameron Show. And away we go. Man. Already Wednesday, huh? What are we... 53 days, something like that, to the start of Florida State football season. That'll be Corey Simon days away. Corey Simon days away from the start of college football. The immovable Corey Simon. That, that's a guy that would have to take uh, the compliment. What a gargantuan ass. I mean, that, <laughs> I remember covering I know Corey, and he'll chuckle at that, I think. I hope, because he can throttle me. Uh, but, but, you know, I remember thinking, how does anybody block him? You can't move him. You cannot move a man who has that much in the caboose. And uh, it would also explain why coaches routinely ignore decorum while visiting campuses all around the country and scouting for the NFL. And they first say when looking at offensive and defensive linemen, what kind of ass does he have? That's how, that's how the scouting department looks at uh, your offensive and defensive linemen. We start there, and then we move out for the other skill sets. It has been PG-ified, if you will, to trunk or base sure. in the scouting community. But, yes, you're correct. When the coaches are around or the mics are off, that's, what, that's how they go. Yeah. Bill Belichick famously uh, was the first to kind of admit that on camera. He's like, oh, yeah, you know, I like that kid. So we're, we're looking at him at number 16 in the draft? Yeah. Great ass. Yeah, he does. He does. Absolutely. I just said it unabashedly. You're like, all right, there you go, Bill. <laughs> but, I mean, uh, it's football. It's, it's football. It's true. It's, uh, in other sports, it would be something you'd call, uh, you know, reach, length, arm length, width, all that stuff. You know, that's, that's just the – Wingspan. Yeah, absolutely. It, uh, it matters. Yeah, he's 6'5", but he's got a 6'9 wingspan. So you're like, oh, okay, great, yeah. Um, that's usually the thing that if you go get a power forward and you see power forward, 6'5", 6'10", wingspan. Yeah, you're like, that's like, different. They're ready to say that right away. Now, yeah. Hang on a minute. Yeah, it's a little bit different. Yeah, it's kind of crazy how uh, often it is that – in the NBA, you look at a 6'9 guy, you're like, hey, 6'9, how does he get so many rebounds? He's got a 7'2 wingspan. Oh, okay. That's a little bit different. 
Uh, yeah, there have been some good 53s, but you'd have to say Corey Simon would be the one. And, oh, by the way, while we're on the subject, again, guys, we are 44 days away from the start of college football. So you get through this week, get through the weekend. We're in the 30s. It's, uh, I mean, honestly, the 30s, you just smile ear to ear when you wake up. That's kind of how that works. You just wake up with a smile on your face. No more previewing, projecting, wondering aloud, but rather reporting on the ground. Practice starts today. We saw this. I think this is a problem. I think this is an asset. I think these are the things we're you know going to work on. This is how I'm excited about uh, this player's development or what I'm worried about with this player's lack of development. Then you get the on-the-field day-to-day reports, and that's because we're allowed to go to practice, so can't celebrate that enough. Well, two weeks from today, we'll be in Charlotte talking yeah. to Mike Norvell and the players that they choose. We don't know the three yet. At least I haven't seen an announcement. That means it probably happened 30 seconds ago. But we put together our list for the ACC on Radio Row, which is another fun check of the box. Yeah, and we, uh, you know, we'll see if they give us who we asked for. That's always funny. We were talking about that with the, I was talking about that with the boys yesterday. Like, But you, know. you could talk to Mario Cristobal on Tuesday of two weeks from now. I, I, I can. A little one-on-one with Mario. What, what an experience. Mm. Uh, you know, you gotta wonder where, where Mario's head's at. It's funny, the year two guys in the state, we went through this process. Oh, yeah. You know, where Everybody's watching your head coach intently, wondering, hmm, they get him a good one or are they still reeling? And, you know, until Mike turned it around a year ago, the the thought from Florida fans and Miami fans aimed at Florida State was, hmm, don't know that your guy's going to get this turned around. May not, may not have worked out for him. Even if they thought he was a good hire at the time, there were real questions even amongst this fan base. But, of course, that season a year ago – change the outlook, change the vantage point for all involved, us and them. Where we sit right now, looking at Napier and looking at Cristobal is, I'm a wait-we'll-see kind of guy when it comes to Napier. I liked what he had to say when he was courted for other coaching jobs and stories that I read, the way that he patiently waited for what he called the right job. You know, he understood he needed the support of the athletic department. He wanted a ton of analysts. He needed to know that they had the resources and everything on the same page. He wanted, So he waited. He had been offered other jobs before taking that Florida job, and certainly they have that. Uh, their collective has finally got their act together. Um, it's being led by a, a guy that uh, is, is a Harvard-educated guy, and they finally kind of figured it out after botching it. So we'll, we'll see – what they are, I'm not willing to write him off after one year. And, and, you know, I get it. You had some NFL talent on that team, and they were wildly inconsistent. What I think is interesting is I've never understood the fascination with Cristobal. I've, I've never seen it. I don't see it on game day. He's a terrible game day coach. There are countless examples of this. The thought from Miami fans was always he's one of us. He's one of our own. He played here. He can coach up the offensive line, and you know he'll be able to recruit. He'll keep Miami kids here. He can really recruit. Well, we'll see. Uh, you got to win games, and they didn't do that a year ago, and they looked awfully befuddled frequently. And he lost a, an asset in the form of a quarterback that was really good and suddenly wasn't really good. Now, I'll grant you he got hurt, but they had real problems there. So I'm more suspect of Miami's prospects than I am Florida's currently. But you know what else I'm pretty sure of? 
We're in good shape in Tallahassee. We're all right. Our guy came through the other side, survived what was a growing weight of frustration and expectation, and got through to the other side. And now you enter a different realm. That's really the conversation that we all have is that you get to a place where you go from, okay, okay, you can coach. Got it. We're all good there. Looks like we've come out the other side. Now, can you continue to elevate? Can you continue to get better? Can you get to where we're a championship-level program? So this year, unlike last year, is a different referendum. Last year's was, we got to have a winning season at some point here, man. Now it's, are we moving to being a championship-level program? How close are we? This year we'll decide how close we are to being that kind of a program. You assume year in and year out, rightfully so, that Alabama and Ohio State, to some degree for a long time, they're at Clemson. Uh, Georgia now, obviously, with back-to-back national titles and the uh, recruiting classes strung together, you assume, rightfully so, that those programs are always vying for, at the very least, a conference title or in position to fight for one. Not that they will get it, but that's the goal going into the season. And the requisite talent is usually in place. For Florida State... This time next year, Tom, uh, before we head off to Ireland and uh, take on Georgia Tech, what will we be saying about Florida State? Will we be saying that, hey, last year proved they were still ascending. Now it's time. I understand we have a change of quarterback. We can kind of take a cursory glance at what those talking points will be this time next year. But will we have continued to infuse the roster with elite-level talent via the form of a, a great recruiting class, a top 10 recruiting class, and then filled the holes for immediate playing time with upper crust transfer portal players the way they have each of the last couple of years. It's an easy talking point for next year, which is elite programs reload on the fly. Are you an elite program? Can you reload on the fly? Does it mean that you're always competing for a national championship? No, not even Alabama does that. They miss the playoffs every once in a while. Mm. Clemson has two. But can you reload on the fly to where, when you look at a Vegas line, 12 games in a season, your favorite 10 out of them, 11 out of them, because you've got the talent and you've also got the reputation and you've gotten consensus recruiting classes in the top five, top 10, when also you factor in the transfer portal. Can you do it on the fly and not drop off to an eight-win season after perhaps an ACC championship season or Mm. a playoff season? Yeah, that's going to be the talking point next year. It's okay. You put it together. And last year was a wild success. Great job, Mike Norvell. But you brought everybody back. Now, most everybody is gone. So many starts have been lost to the next level. So what can you do with that? That's where, again, to me, everything about practice this fall, even through the season, how many reps can you get for the younger guys, too? Yeah. How many in-game reps can you get for players in the 12 games? How many blowouts can you put yourself in position to get young dudes on the field to cultivate them and develop them? Really, really big secondary storyline for this fall. The National League is finally victorious, and the three of us root in part for the National League. Oh, come on. Let your pride beam. Celebrate the National League breaking a drought of seemingly eons. Now, it was a good game. Good game. It's my whole life, pretty much. Definitely Matthew's whole life that the American League has just dominated this game. It's funny. When I grew up, the National League did in the same sort of way. It was, you, didn't, you never even thought about the American League. You'd just be like, oh, well, the National League wins the All-Star game every year. 
And then it flipped. Since the turn of the century, it's it, been yeah. American League. That one time they tied because they ran out of pitchers. And well, then, that was embarrassing yeah. for Bud Selig at the time. Yeah. Very, Milwaukee, I think yeah, they well, played. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which made it even more embarrassing since that was Bud's franchise. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, the All-Star game was, was good. And it was, uh, you know, you get a little 3-2 baseball game there. Flew along. First win for the National League since 2012. Really, more than anything else, it's just uh, representative of Time to get on with the second half of the season. Let's go. I enjoy the uh, Nate Eovaldi inning, you know, where he's talking through. I I didn't watch, you know, most of the game. I watched probably three, four innings. But I really enjoy that. When you can get a pitcher giving real-time feedback, pitch for pitch, saying, oh, I thought I located that one. Like, things like that. I I really, that's, you can never do that in the regular season. You just can't. But that makes the All-Star game kind of cool. It's interesting. Baseball finally got it together some time ago uh, with the with the mic'd up stuff for their their game of the week and those kinds of things. Fans eat that stuff up. We live in an era where you have access to, in many cases, unfettered access to people that seemed out of reach. And if you think that's what social media's draw is in a lot of ways. Uh, a, you can you know you can be the town dunce and find a bunch of other dumbasses, and then you can all yell together. But you can also find people that you look up to, admire, whose music you love, whatever it might be, and connect with them. Well, that's true of superstar athletes. I mean, you look from afar at people who are capable of doing things physically that you've only dreamt of, that you f you know that you 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 tried, you toiled away, and 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 tried to become that player at one point in your life, and so you know how hard it is because you never came close to that level of achievement. But you watch these guys and you admire these guys, at least athletically, and then now you have access to them, and sometimes they they'll let you connect, they'll answer your questions, all of those things. This is another case of that where you take the step forward, you put the mic on, and you let them talk to the fan at home. I know through via the announcers what their thought process is. We love that. That comes up all the time. What are you thinking when this happens? What is your goal with this pitch or, you know, this approach at the plate? Uh, in golf, we love the commentary. They're doing that now, too. They've added on the PGA Tour, if players will agree to it, it's a great idea. If I were a player's agent and I wasn't, say, you know, John Rom or Scotty Scheffler or somebody who's at the very top of the uh, of the heap there in, in professional golf, they don't they don't need the exposure. They're going to get it because they're going to finish in the top five every week. But if you're just a, a, a mid level player, a top fifty player, and you've got a good personality, you're interesting, you've got something to say, and you're able to interact well, articulately as you walk through the fairways in round two of a tournament, you know why wouldn't you do it if you're Max Homa? I thought that was a home run with him. I've seen other players do it and do it really well. Colin Morikawa did a great job with it in one of the broadcasts that I watched, where yeah. he was talking about that was Genesis. Yeah, he was fantastic in that. Those because those are unique courses, and you're learning about their thought. Well, they they should you know you, I don't know that you could ever do it. I'm sure you could never do it really in the NBA or college basketball. You couldn't do it. It's too too hectic, too fast paced. I don't think you could do it in hockey either. But there are sports you can, and baseball is one of them. Yeah, you might be able to do it on the bench. You know, they do coach interviews on the bench. You might be able to do that, let's say it's, you know, end of the first quarter and it's the superstar player who's going to come back with nine minutes to go in the second quarter. So this is this little break that they get, and maybe they can tell you how they feel about what they've gone through in the first quarter, what they've seen defensively. But the thing is that a lot of times when you get somebody in a press conference setting, they've already figured out what their answer is going to be. Oh, yes. Not what their thought process is. But if you've got a pitcher complaining about, I threw a good pitch there, or, okay, I got up the ladder, now I need to really tilt this one down. 
Like that is actually what he can't fake that. He can't play two characters at once, media me and then the pitcher. Pitcher's on the mound, man. You got to execute. You got to make a pitch. So that's what's cool about it to me. You know, in a weird way, I know they'll never do this because you get a lot of interaction for the Home Run Derby, for example. You get a lot of those guys talking to the camera and they're able to watch it and talk about what they, you know, the keys to, to being successful in a Home Run Derby and all that kind of stuff. It gets monotonous. It's not a lot of fun to watch anymore. It had appeal to me uh, many, many years ago. I thought it was awesome. I can still remember we were all glued in to the McGuire era, Sosa era. The home, run, you know, the steroid era provided 500 foot home runs, but there was a pacing to it where you got to watch the home run. You got to see how far it went. You got to see where it landed. You found out that that's all gone right now. They have butchered this beyond uh, reason. Um, to, you know, there, there are, you know, Pisnansky wrote about this the other day. There are three things you want to see in a home run contest. Uh, you want to see the batter hit the ball and hear the crack of the bat. Can't always do that with these guys yammering on. No, we, uh, I watched on the StatCast broadcast. Well, that's smart. Which was much better. Yeah. And then number two, you want to see if the ball left the park. Well, they don't even show you half the time because the next pitch is coming now with the new clock set up. It's like, yeah. we don't even get to see where the ball goes. Think about the home run derby in, in Boston. When he was hitting them over the monster, yep. 500 and something feet, you were watching them land in the parking lot across the street. Josh Hamilton, Yankee oh, Stadium. Oh, that was incredible. He almost put it through the gap into the subway. That was incredible. Sosa in Atlanta. Like, those yeah. moments, you want to see that, and they're gone. Um, and then you want an up-to-the-second count of the home runs. They got. They were behind by 10 seconds. On the regular broadcast. StatCast was giving you real-time information. And so I had both of them on. It's the you know, benefit of two TVs. Yeah. And Ravitch is awful, always has been. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's in fairness to any broad. Well, first of all, I can stomach him more than I can Berman going back, 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 back. No, that's incessantly. fair. I'm just saying he's always late with information. The Sunday night broadcast team is often very late and not seeing. If it's a bang bang play, they're going to replay. Like, oh wait, he did get out. He did avoid the tag. Well, it's been shown on the screen four times. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, I mean, we've seen it four times. Oh wait a minute, they did apply the tag there. Yeah, your job is to be ahead of the game, and if you can't be, then the person in the truck's got to tell you. That's inside television stuff that just kind of makes me angry. But at least, at least when they did the StatCast broadcast, everybody's talking about launch angles and the distances, and they've got real-time feedback. But I agree with you. They could combine the bracket, which I really like, and the grand prize of a million dollars, which draws a lot better competition, and then do 10 outs. And yeah. then do the 10 out for Well, and do, get rid of it. In two, 2015 is when they brought in the home run clock, okay? And originally it was five minutes, and you got that's what you got to hit home runs. Then it got moved to three. Yeah, because they were playing past midnight. Yeah. We, we, fewer people, more emphasis on the stuff you're talking about that StatCast provided, but also can we watch these monsters do what they do yeah. and watch the ball and take a breather between pitches and get a sense of what's happening? It's disorienting. It can be. Yeah, the, the yeah. home run derby should never be described as disorienting. But I personally like it more than I like the All-Star game. Uh, the All-Star game has lost a lot of juice. You know, there's nothing on the line, which I was in the era where at least, you know, the World Series home field was part of the process. The yes. American League yeah. always won it, but it was a part of the process. Now they don't even wear their uniforms. They wear some facsimile. Yeah. I, I, hate, I hate that more than anything yep. else. I, as a kid... I lit up, and I think everybody can relate to this. You would light up when you saw one of your guys. Yep. Oh, I know they got the cap, but come on, man. you got to have 
like I remember seeing Dave Parker in the All-Star game, man right field, and watching him run out there to right field in the black and gold. I was like, ooh, he's, he's my guy. Yeah. You know, and then you'd look around, and you're always in awe of other people's, other franchises' stars as well that you don't always get to see. You know, that was a big part of it too. Like when I watched the All-Star game as a kid, that was the first time you got to see Rod Carew. Like you, he wasn't on here. He was a California Angel at the time or a twin. I never, well, I couldn't see Rod Carew. The other thing is I'd like to see fewer pitchers, you know, and I don't know if you got to create a longer gap, but everybody gets one inning. That totally takes the life out of it for me. You know, it, it was even when I was a kid, I think maybe some guys were still going five, but then it was three for the starters. Yeah. Now just everybody gets, who cares? You know, you watch some of the clips of the old days, and this is before my time, so it's not like my time was better. Your era. Yeah. When these two leagues hated each other. And they played for real. Guys got taken out. And the ace would go six or seven. Yeah, and I, yes. and I get that you don't necessarily want to do that. The money is so great. If you get your ace injured in an all-star game, you're pissed. If you threw him seven innings, 100 pitches, you know, whatever it that might be. It feels like guys get hurt more now with the specialization and the all-out effort on oh, every pitch. Yeah, yeah no, I, I don't disagree. I'm not saying that they would. It's just that you could see somebody would right. gripe, an owner would be furious. But then the starters were the starters. If you're on the bench, great. They might call on you to pinch hit, or in a situation, if they're up late, then you're in for defense. But the starters were in. Like, that was it. It's not this merry-go-round, like, all right, it's time for the Braves inning. It's time for the Blue Jays inning. It's time for the, you know, like, stop. Well, a big part of that had to do with the fact that, uh, you know, you, you, you're right. They instituted a rule where everybody had to, uh, you had to have a representative from every team. Yep. Sorry. If your team's garbage and that guy's not better than the next guy, you don't get a guy. Right. Which tough, is why I like the Derby more. Tough luck. The Derby's different. It's, it's something unique. Where I was going to go with that, though, is regardless if you like the Derby okay or don't or do like the All-Star game, the NHL skill competition is phenomenal. The All-Star game itself is whatever. It's 9 no, to 8. Nobody cares about yeah. that. They do a mini tournament now it's because they know it's boring. Very much like the NBA's All-Star weekend. I don't need to see 188 to 184 no. where nobody guards anybody and it's an alley-oop fest. It used to be the last 2 minutes of the All-Star game was good yes. because then, you know, they, they, egos yeah, are on the bothered line. to play. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But when you get the best in the world in any sport doing a skills competition, I think most anybody would want to see that. Did you see what they did last year with the golf? No. They went to a golf ESPN had the hockey players go to a golf course and, <laughs> and they play. played and they played with the hockey pucks and sticks. And it was oh, Michael Collins was the guy that was doing yeah. the MCing. It was great. I didn't see it. Oh, it was really fun. I'll have to watch. I'll have to watch. But yeah, trying to do more specialized things like that would make all of this more fun. Jeff Cameron Show 93.3 Real Talk Radio War Chat TV. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Hello there, podcasters. Oh, don't worry. I won't prattle on for two minutes like I do with some of the other reads. Zaxby's doesn't demand it of me. <laughs> Zaxby's like, look, just tell everybody that we have the best chicken sandwich in all the land. That's easy. I can do that. I can attest to that. A delicious, thick, juicy, tasty Zaxby's chicken sandwich is where it's at. Of course, the strips are a given. 
You like the strips. We get the strips on game days. The platters are lifesavers. Mm-hmm. If you're going to a party, a pool party, say, this summer, and what do I bring? Just bring a beer giant thing. No. and Zaxby's. Worry about the beer. You bring the Zaxby's, you're going to be the hero. Just huh? make sure you get all the sauces, too. They've got like 97 sauces, and they're all delicious. I don't know if you guys know this. There are 27 Zaxby's in Tallahassee alone. 27. You can't miss them. I think that's true in general in every city in America. They're like so, peach trees in Atlanta. They're everywhere. Look around. Find you a Zaxby's and get after it. By the way, your Tallahassee Zaxby's a proud Golden Chief booster for 18 years. Go Knowles. Jeff Cameron show. I almost just said Jeff Cameron. Yeah, Jeff Cameron, everybody. (laughs) Oh, silliness, silliness, silliness. So, you know, you and I didn't get a chance to discuss this. I want to come back to something that uh, relates to Florida State and our efforts to get to another conference, or at least out of this one. We're closer and closer, of course, to uh, the ACC kickoff, where it will be very interesting to hear from the commissioner. Uh, Interesting is one way of describing it. I would love for us to drop a bomb on Tuesday during the forum. It'd be incredible. Chaos. It would be incredible, but it does seem unlikely. And we've had a few questions in this ilk, and I, I do think we should address it. It's a favorite topic of yours. It's one that you and I have had many discussions about before on and off the air. And I think it's something that everybody is intrigued by, and we don't really know definitively the answers to these to these questions. Um, and and it, it really kind of was something that a week ago uh, was brought back to the forefront of our of our thinking in regards to the ACC and the future of college athletics and the future of live sports. And, you know, you know, I know you saw this story probably there on the front page of the New York Daily News because they were originally the one to break it. They usually are when it comes to ESPN. Disney-related stories, ESPN, they seem to be on top of pretty quickly up there. Uh, They laid off 23 on-air personalities at ESPN. We know that. And so when you saw that, you knew – all right, well, let's look how big were the names and what were the salaries. And it really was an eclectic mix of talent. Uh, I think the best basketball analyst in the uh, best NBA basketball analyst of live broadcasts was let go, and Jeff Van Gundy. He's spectacular. Uh, Keyshawn Johnson's useless. He was let go. That's fine. Uh, Jalen Rose, good at what he does. Very good at what he does. He was good for get up too. Yeah, he was perfect for that he format. He was really good. Um, hated to see him go. Susie Colbert is my lady. Yeah. Talented. That one stings. Stunning to look at all of those things. Never got a real opportunity with Monday Night Countdown too because after Boomer retired, like, all right, we're going to bring him back for the halftime show. Yeah, and he's like, going to be there sometimes. He's going to be yeah. walking around the field just talking and mumbling. We'll he's going to be over here him. just being fat. There you go. Um, good yeah. luck, Susie. Yeah. I know you were devastated to see Todd McShay was let go. Oh, uh, so <laughs> I actually grew to like him. I did too because he he, he, he mocked the whole thing that he yes. had that he had to be a part of. Yeah. Sorry guys, I had to get rid of 6.0 and distribute that this morning before I came on the air with you. God forbid we don't have 6.0 ready to go on draft day. I love that he you know he broke the wall right. He was the one telling you that uh, hey man this is ridiculous. I know it's ridiculous just like you know it's ridiculous. But it's my job and they pay me handsomely. I got to do it. So Scout here's sink. here's 6.0. <laughs> Scout sink. All right. Nice so, job. So I'm gonna take uh, an extended quote from one of the articles that I read, and then we will compare and contrast some notes here that I think 
are interesting. And I also read a listener's question that came into the email inbox this morning. And that will give us a chance to kind of expand on this a little bit. Disney is currently, this is from an article in, I think this was NBC Sports where I got this from. Disney is currently caught squarely in the crosshairs of cord cutting. In lieu of having money for nothing subscription fees buried into cable and satellite packages that included umpteen ESPN channels that most of the people who were paying for them never watched, ESPN is moving towards a model that generates revenue only from those who want its content. The slow pivot of households having ESPN and paying for it, because that was the only way to get the channels they actually watched to only those who want ESPN enough to specifically pay for it, continues. At some point, ESPN will indeed leave cable-slash-satellite entirely and become a direct-to-consumer product. Which, of course, Tom, brings us to the issue of the exorbitant cost of broadcast rights fees, which you and I have talked about a lot, and the amount of revenue needed by broadcast entities to cover those rights fees. Yeah, yeah, especially as it relates to RSNs, yeah. ESPN and everybody else... And they're the biggest of the bunch, the Giants, and thus the crosshairs are always squarely on them, miscalculated the projected revenue and the shortfall due to the unexpected impact, I guess, of of cord cutting would be the way to say that, Tom. When they agreed to the rights fees, when they were gobbling up rights fees for every sport, and at the time, we know why they did that, but they they gobbled up those rights fees for the NFL, Major League Baseball, the NBA, NHL finally got that back, right? So all those things. So in that situation, by the way, does exist at CBS. It does exist at NBC, and it does exist at Fox. Uh, but their talent pool is is far less extensive, and they don't have as many 24-hour-a-day networks as no. ESPN does. NBC got rid of theirs. That's correct. They said the hell with it. Yeah, they ditched their sports cable network um, uh, 2021. Yeah. Like you said. When hockey left, they said, all right. CBS Sports Network, FS2, CBS, Fox, FS1, like a lot of, the, but that, a lot of these are, are taking beatings. Okay. And that's where we're at. So if you're trying to join the SEC or you're trying to join the, the Big Ten and you want to ensure those big money payouts for each of the conference's lucrative TV contracts that we've discussed, you got to ask yourself if we're reaching the cor- uh, bubble here. Are those are those contracts that we desperately vie for and want to be a part of? Are are those sustainable? Do those even exist five years from now? Yeah, that's a giant question. It's a fair question. I think it would be in ESPN's best interest to implode the ACC so they can spin off the eight do nothing teams and consolidate the teams that they do like into other contracts so that you're paying as few entities as possible top dollar. But the thing that I find interesting here is, okay, if you've got four channels or five channels that cost somewhere between a dollar or two a piece in a cable package or a satellite package, and then you can change that model to a direct-to-consumer and it's $6.99 a month or $7.99 a month, people are going to pay that when it's the season that they want to watch. They'll pay. You could have the year for fifty bucks or sixty bucks, or you could have this monthly package broken out because you bought the annual at much less. Mm-hmm. I still think they're going to be able to cover that amount of money when they go direct to consumer. Also, if I was them, I wouldn't see the reason not to do both right now. Why not do both? Why? What are you waiting for? 
with the cable packages and, and the satellite providers collapsing and this direct-to-consumer thing, why do you have to pivot to one or the other? Why can't you roll it into something now? So what ESPN's doing is they're buying rights to as much as they possibly can so you can go nowhere else That's right. to watch sports. You've got no other choice. Right, and they overpay But you've got to go through them. And then they're going to charge, it'll be like five ninety nine for the first year, but then it'll go up to $10, then 12 then 15 per month for the entire year. And then that's it. They've got you by the cojones. Maybe they'll get a deal done with YouTube TV or something along those lines, but I think they're going to be able to replicate the money. My concern is for RSNs as it pertains to professional sports. Yeah, baseball. When the Dodgers have to clear $2 million a game times 150 games, because maybe they got 12 that are on national TV, I don't see how the hell they do I don't, that. I don't, well, right. Yeah, that's not going to be there. It will be interesting, too. And for college sports where we're looking at, I mean, look what we've also watched. This is why everybody feels like you're in limbo right now. Um, you know, we're watching Florida State and others. You know, this is a game of musical chairs. We're watching the Pac-12 right now. Still don't have a situation resolved there. So their yeah. situation could affect our situation. It's supposed could to be affect, the end of May. Yeah, so that's the middle of June. There's great uncertainty in the sport right now. And look, I mean, you know, again, Pro leagues continue to raise their rights fees like you were talking about. And so you wonder if the broadcast entities eventually force the, you know, let's say. MLB. Yeah, or colleges to reduce yeah. their rights fees. Yeah, it could be. But the thing is, you know, you know, correct. We may be arriving just in time if you're looking at it long term for the bubble to pop. But you want to be with the highest ticket schools oh, at that sure. time. Yeah, so when be, they whittle yeah. it down, everybody gets whittled down from the highest level because – Let's say that they wanted, they told you as a conference you got to take a 20% haircut. All right, disproportionately, that hurts the SEC more than the ACC, but still 20% off yeah, of, of what they're making. I mean, my to what, God, they're, correct, still, they're still farther ahead. Yeah. So you want to be with the breadwinners. Well, you want to be there time. for a lot of reasons, too. Mostly money, but there are many other reasons exposure, to want to be there. Yeah. Well, willingness for exposure. And every Saturday, once we go to 12 team playoffs where two yeah. and three losses don't necessarily exclude you from being part of that, you're now playing games against Tennessee, Auburn, Alabama, Georgia, Florida, et cetera. It's a better product. Yeah, I think ESPN. Where ESPN's going to win on this is they don't have to feature a 24-hour network anymore. That's what they're going to learn here, is they built it around SportsCenter, which was correct and for it, the 90s and early 2000s. Well, but even before then, yeah. But it, but it's been wrong for 15 years. Embrace debate with their mid midday shows. Who cares? Who I, cares? I completely agree who cares. It's staggering, however, and I know you've read these same numbers. What they There's a reason Stephen A. Smith gets paid what he does. Whenever you see that salary, yeah. you go, yeah. how is it possible that Stephen A. Smith is making that? That much money and doesn't get fired he's on in the middle of the afternoon when right. everybody should be working and it's a but because they look can at pull, the numbers because then they can pull a million viewers but it's like so your goals for a million midday it's and that, amazing and, and i give the man credit by the way you can love him or hate him whatever that dude is a numbers generating fool he is and this is not a knock on Stephen a i know a lot of the audience here uh, florida yeah. state audiences because he's not college football is not a huge fan of Stephen a we had that problem at the old place of employment yeah yeah yeah, yeah. That dude works so hard, oh, no, no. it's he, ridiculous. Tireless worker, he's a smart is, guy. But he's also good to the smaller markets. That's I've something talked. behind the curtain. We've got a lot of people at ESPN that were half, a quarter, a tenth as famous that wouldn't give you the time of day, Trey Wingo. But Stephen A. Smith would do anything Anything you for you. The, the, the funny thing about all of the personalities, this is an aside, we're kind of just making an aside here. The funny thing about all of the biggest personalities on these networks is they're all very different, of course, and you're right. Half the guys that people loathe turn out to be great guys behind yes, the scenes. Like exactly. the coolest dudes you'd want to talk to and hang out with and have a conversation with and aren't all that 
similar to their on-air personalities. Right. And then half the guys that you think are the salt of the earth, the greatest guys who are most beloved collectively by the fan bases, the guys that you yeah. kind of could do without. Like, wow. Oh, so uh, you're the one with the, with the big head. Yeah, right. Really? Right, really. Yeah, right. But the thing to me is, as you know, as you'll see – in the past five, six years, Stephen A's role is expanding because they don't want to pay anybody else. Well, like, anybody if else. we're going to pay you this much, you're going to do NBA, you're going to do, do everything. pregame, you're going to do halftime, you're going to do postgame. You're going to work 20-hour days. That's correct. And you're going to get paid in a way that will see that when you retire, you never have to work and your kid doesn't have to work and anybody else doesn't have to work either if you don't want them to. Correct, but they're not going to pay six people to do no, it. No, they're not. So they're that's not. the thing. They're going to find one superstar. They did it with Greenberg. Now they're buying into McAfee. If you notice that they they oh, fired a lot of people and now they have McAfee show. Strange well, sort of, but it's direct pivot. digital. Yeah, it's where they're going. They want the YouTube revenue. They want the podcast revenue. They should have just kept Levitard at that point, but they they failed in that regard. It's just to me, they don't have to be a twenty four hour channel anymore. Once they get out of that headspace, then they're going to make money hand over fist. Yeah, I, I just think that what's fascinating for us to watch as consumers and fans of the sport of college football and college athletics in general, let's say, which we've seen the bastardization of over time, is that you know you wonder with the destabilization of, of these broadcast networks and the product in general, where the what the future holds. You don't have a czar uh, of college football that, that that anybody can you know turn to to help lead the way. The NCAA certainly isn't shining a bright light for us to follow. Nobody knows. I mean, what their role is in anymore. I mean, you just. This seems rudderless, completely rudderless, and when nobody likes to feel like they're in limbo. Correct. It's, and I think fans feel like they're in limbo. It's begging for football to be spun off to a power two, and then have the rest of college football, which you and I have talked about this too. Yeah, it would be very compelling because the the, the level of competition and competitive. Uh, evenness if you will um you, you'd have a it would be if you watched marshall versus Furman, it would be a great game to watch they would be playing on the same field level playing field right as opposed to marshall taking on alabama so like you you understand you'd have this group over here they play an, another brand of football that is almost akin to professional football and then there's this whole other group of places that uh, play football where uh, schleps like me could have gone. Right. You know, like, well, okay, uh, East Tennessee State's playing Western Kentucky. All right, I can relate to that. Happy and you State would watch versus, it. Yeah, Happy it would State be good. Lake. Yeah. It'd be a good game. Yeah. It, it, and you would watch that. And the other reason you'd watch it is that it's simultaneously, uh, it would it would be building at the, at the same time that gambling has become so big. So everybody's in on those games because there's an angle. Yeah, I could see where... Like I think in the future, ESPN is going to have the base package that you buy. It's basically going to be their own cable package, even though it's direct to consumer. They're going to say, "Here's the base package for the networks, so you get whatever's on the networks." Then you got to pay an extra three dollars a month if you want the ACC or the SEC, or you got to pay an extra five dollars a month if you want MLB. You got to pay because mm-hmm. they've got all hockey now, so it's an extra five dollars a month during the hockey season on top of your base package in order to pay for NHL. That's how they're going to make all this money back. The thing is, I don't think they're moving as quick as they should. Yeah, well. As long as we are, pay all those people when they fire them, Tom. Well, as yes, that is true. <laughs> a lot of these settlements were an ironclad contract. It's the greatest gig in the world. This is a kiss my ass on Main Street for 23 personalities who had, in many cases, just signed a multi-year deal. That's correct. With three of the first four years of that deal guaranteed, and then they turn around, had a change of heart, realized this is a losing proposition. We're going to fire these people. We've got to lower our bottom line. Oh. So I'm going to have to give Keyshawn Johnson, who's rich, whatever, $9 million to not work? Oh, t- 
tough life, Keyshawn. Yeah, I mean, I tell yeah. you what, to be in that position, to be one of those guys, like if you're, even if you're just like a mid-level guy that's seldom heard from, right? You just see him every now and then, very sports specific or whatever. Max Kellerman. Sure. You know. He would just let go. Yeah. Oh, they're paying him out the wazoo. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Um, if you're Max, you're loving life. Just go back and do what you do best. Yeah. Boxing. You're yeah. a boxing genius. Go back and do boxing. You're now independently wealthy. Forget about it. Oh, what a good gig. That's what you, but regardless if there's a bubble coming or not, you want to be in the best position. Even if you got to pay the ACC a lump sum that's uncomfortable, like when ESPN is making a decision, let's just say that the bubble's bursting right here, right now, and they got to make a decision on what assets they're going to retain. You think they're going to stare at a conference with Wake and Syracuse and no. Boston College and keep them? They'll break that contract, find a way to spin them off and, and default on that and say, you guys are gone. We're going to keep the SEC. Now, the SEC might be at a reduced rate. Sorry yeah, about that, yeah, everybody. Yeah, yeah. We're not but you want to be there. there before they have to make that decision. Yeah, you want to be in there regardless if you never truly reap the rewards that those teams are currently make, you know, getting. You, you, you yes. need to be along with the winners. Still worth it because when it gets to power two, that's going to happen eventually. Oh, sure it is. And there's going to be one TV contract, and it's going to be just like the NFLs with CBS and Fox and ESPN. They're going to split it up from one place, one consolidated power two. Now, what the hell they do with the rest of college sports, I have no idea how that works. Well, I don't think any of the other – I mean, half the sports that you see now, unfortunately, will be under the umbrella of club sports. I, I don't think you're going to continue to see uh, some of the sports that are NCAA sports be that anymore. Universities aren't going to pay for that. There's no – I mean, that's a different discussion. But Jeff Kimber Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Back that fire down, 19. Copy, Captain. Let's move. ABC Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. Get down! With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19, all new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. You and I next hour will talk about uh, the... Wrapping up at the top 40. War chance, top 40, uh, down to number two, number one tonight, maybe. Is that right? Uh, wake up yeah, war chance. The articles tonight? are out, and obviously yeah. everybody knows who the top two are, but extended discussions on the channel. Yeah, it'll be fun. Yeah, so we'll we'll get into uh, Jared Verse and the kind of season we project him to have next hour. This is a short segment here, but we'll get to that as he was number two. Uh, uh, yes, as you said, most everybody certainly knew that Jordan Travis and Jared Verse would grab the top two spots, and they did. And uh, kind of interesting to go through the process of vetting the type of season you think Jared Verse is going to have. There are a lot of factors that play into that. I'll also just say that my man had nine sacks in a year in which he was never healthy. Yep, outside of the first couple of games, and he was a terror against LSU. Yes, he was. Um, golly, I, I really selfishly just want, for the purposes of enjoying guys that are elite, watching them evolve, become the the, the best version of themselves, Selfishly, he's a knoll, and that benefits us greatly. But I want to see him be healthy to see what he can be through 12 games. Like, what kind of season can that guy compile if he has the burst, if he has the fresh legs? That's a football season. You're going to play with bruises and dings, and you're going to be slowed occasionally. But we know what a 
a fully healthy Jared Verse looks like. And we know when you watch guys like that enjoy the length of a season in which they're relatively healthy every Saturday, how impactful that can be, how it changes the game. And I'd love for him to be able to have that kind of year. Selfishly, again, it benefits Florida State greatly, but I want to see it for him. He chose to come back. I'll grant it. I'll grant you. It's easier for kids to choose to come back these days when they're offered hundreds of thousands of dollars to do so. So it's not the same as it used to be when somebody came back. I'm not trying to discredit him. I'm just saying it was an easier decision thanks to the battles in. But uh, I do want to see him fully realized. We've yet to see it. Yeah, now this is interesting beyond Jared Verse because you talk about a 12-game season and the bumps and bruises that accrue. We have an early bye week. You know, it's after four games. they got to play eight straight weekends. We should be in a position to have quite a few games where guys are resting in the second half, and you can get your rest. I mean, North Alabama is the Which obvious one. Which affects the numbers that you and I would project, it does it not? The, yes, but then also I think the management of the reps week to week, the coaching staff has a bit of a different decision to make than if the bye week was, say, Halloween week or you know the 21st of October, 25th of October, something like that. Mm-hmm. If, if it was a little bit later, perhaps, If it was a different? If it was a different, you could manage <laughs> things a little bit differently, but – Look, man, if you're going to do the things that we hope this team does, you're playing nine straight weeks, including the ACC championship yeah, game. Yeah, that is one aspect I did not like about the schedule. Now, the opponents will help you find rest as long as you do what you're supposed to do. But that's still a consideration when it's, all right, Jared is chasing this number this week or that number, or you've got, I don't know, Trey Benson accruing numbers. Well, we've got the long game to play here. I get it that he's at 95 yards in the first half. This game's in control. I know it says that the difference is only 13 on the board. We're going to win this game. So I need Trey for the long haul. So he's going to have far fewer reps in this third quarter, and as long as we do what we're supposed to, he's done for the day. Well, inadvertently, we're going down another path here during this short segment, which is to say that of the accolades and the awards you'd like to see certain players accrue, very few will. The depth of talent on this team and the need to get those players experienced before 2024, given what you're going to lose at the end of the season, and the number of outmatched teams on the schedule, suggests you're going to see a lot of two-quarter games for these superstars, or two-and-a-half-quarter games for these superstars. And that might include your starting quarterback, and Johnny Wilson, and Keon Coleman, and Trey Benson, and Jared Verse, and all of these guys. And then all of a sudden... You get to see what kind of player they are. They could dominate for a half, dominate for three quarters, but you never would get to see them amass the kind of numbers they were capable of because they're being pulled from these football games because it's not about individual awards. It's about team records, meaning your your team record. What is your record? The record. Yeah, the record, right. So I do think that will victimize a lot of these guys when it comes to postseason awards. There will be other players out there at other programs that are going to have better numbers because they're forced to play for longer and more meaningful games. Hour number two forthcoming. Stay with. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com.